Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. We have another wonderful cast. We've got to keep rolling out with the the stellar cast. We've got a newcomer as well. But first we're joined by Liaz, who's come with a sharp-ish trim. Can I just double check? Is that sharp again for the pod? What can you say? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> no tech issues yet. Give it give it a few minutes. We might be be reloading this thing. But nah, it's always good to be back, man. Uh, I like the topics as well for this week. So oh, yeah, it's going to be tasty. <laughs> We're also joined by Raj. And uh, as ever, you're wearing a T-shirt that is far too small for you. What is going on? <laughs> no, this is a good size, Ramsey. Um, yeah, no, not, not too bad. Thought I'd get in the uh, spirit of the Madrid derby by wearing my uh, Madrid shirt. Yeah, extra, extra, extra small. You've got competition, actually. Hussein isn't that well known to us guys. I don't even know Hussein personally, but all I got told before we came on is Hussein loves, loves the gym more than he loves anything else on planet Earth. Nah, man. Football. Football's my first love. Gym comes third, maybe after food. Obviously, we spoke about the fridge as well. It's got to carry a lot of food. Where does family come into play, man? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I ain't seen my mum in about a week. Let's not get into that. But um, nah, man. Good to be here. First ever football kind of, you know, content. Um, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I put on a good show. Awesome. My guy. Here's the randomest, very quick story. Earlier this week, I'm sat in my car watching a TikTok and your face pops up, right? And I'm like, oh, I don't know what it was. Like, I was like, I, I could listen to this guy. Later in the week, I'm messaging the boys, the producer, Sakib and Skinner, going, oh, uh, like, we need a guy. And I'm, who do you know? Sakib was like, I know this guy. Look at his TikTok. I was like, this is really weird. But I was watching this guy earlier. And here you are on the pod. No so, ratings pod, making dreams come true. You know what I'm saying? That's what it is, man. Thank you for the opportunity. Been been working very, very tough to get here. Um, I love it. Glad, glad to see you guys. You know, you <laughs> scouted me early, man. 
<laughs> Love that. Well, let's get into our first topic, which actually comes off the back of the icebreaker last week. The icebreaker last week was which manager would win more trophies if they switched jobs, Klopp or Pep? Now, normally with the icebreaker, we don't actually go into the details, don't actually deep dive into this with the guests, but it caught on on social media. People went a bit crazy and many people were very upset. Raj personally messaged me and backed his corner. So Raj, I'll let you go first. Klopp or Pep, who wins more trophies if they switch jobs? Yeah, as you say, it was a very interesting debate. I wouldn't say I'm in a firm position on either side, but I do have an opinion. Uh, Let's start off with some facts and figures. Number one, let's look at the total spend by Pep and Klopp since they've been at Liverpool Man City. Net spend is 545 million for Pep and 120 million for Klopp. And people will say, okay, net spend, that includes a lot of sales. Let's look at the gross spend then. And the gross spend is 1.1 billion for Pep and Man City (laughs) and 550 million for Klopp. Almost half the amount that Pep spent in total. And now let's look what they've done in performances. Klopp has won the Champions League. Pep hasn't. Klopp's won a league title. Pep's obviously won more. But Klopp's also finished one point behind him in two of those seasons. So are you telling me if Klopp didn't have that same amount of spend, he wouldn't have matched, at least matched or even gone above what Pep's done? He's won a Champions League, don't forget, as I said. And Pep hasn't. So I think that is point number one. And you can see the impact of that spend in the squads that both of them have assembled during their time. As we know, Pep, look at everywhere he's been, Barca, Bayern and Man City. He's had top, top technicians in all of his squads in that in that team. There's barely been an average technician there. You could maybe say Fabian Delph, but I think he only started around 15 games and he was at left-back. Don't but joke. You that, say, you're saying around 15, you know for a fact it was 15. <laughs> you Googled it before, man. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm honestly guessing. Someone could probably um, give me the right number. But uh, yeah, you look at that and look what Klopp's done. He's won titles with the likes of James Milner, uh, Jordan Henderson, Dejan Lovren uh, as starters at big points in those trophy wins as well. Uh, Would Pep be able to do that and paper over the cracks of such poor average technicians? I have some big doubts. And then you look at what um, uh, depth that Klopp's had for his time. Pep has had absolutely unreal depth in every single season he's had. Um, and then you look what Klopp's had. Klopp's won trophies with the likes of Sturridge, who then d- went to the went to Turkey and didn't do anything there. Then went and then did, hadn't had a club since. Um, and he had Origi, who sent to Wolfsburg on loan, came back because he couldn't buy anyone else. And Shakiri, who went from Liverpool to the uh, League One and then MLS within a year. And he's, he's had poor depth, for example, up front. Then you look in midfield. There's not been much there in terms of depth either. And you see that this season. So Klopp's been uh, competing with Pep almost neck and neck for a lot of these seasons with really average depth. And, and, and I'll go back to the depth point again. Look at what Pep's <laughs> had in midfield in these recent seasons. He's had Rodri. He's had Fernandinho until recently. He's had KDB, uh, Bernardo, Gundogan. And now he's got Phillips as well, even though now Fernandinho's left. He's always replenishing that depth behind. And as you've seen with Liverpool, their midfield is really shocking this season. And Klopp got to a Champions League final, not one point behind Pep last season, and two other trophies without having that required depth. He's he's had numbers, but he, as you can see, that difference in spend, he hasn't had the same quality. And I think if he reversed the jobs, is Pep going to do what Klopp's done? I don't think so. I want to firstly apologise, saying I feel like I upset you with the t-shirt comment. 
because I was, I, mom was hella angry. I didn't say Pep was a bad management quarterback. <laughs> um, Leas, you're being encouraged to breathe by a producer Skandara because I feel like you're ready to go. I'm, I'm just... calm, man. I'm calm. I've been waiting. But here's the thing, right? I hardly have to make an argument that Raj has made several times on his own Twitter account himself. I don't believe Raj believes half the things he just said. I think the biggest one that I kind of look at is, oh, would he be able to do it with James Milner? Would he be able to do it with Jordan Henderson? Would he be able to do it with Dayan Lovren? Here's some news flash. He would have gotten rid of half those guys in his first window, in his second window, or in his third window. Raj, this is something that you yourself have been critical of. Klopp's resilience and letting go of guys he's so loyal to. The first decision that Pep Guardiola made when entering Manchester City was looking at the greatest goalkeeper in their history. At least I think he is. I, I can't name anything that happened in like the 50s. I think they had that one German guy, but Uwe mm. something. Uwe Seeler, I think his name is. Mm. Decent knowledge right there. But regardless, <laughs> the first decision he made when entering Manchester City is ditching one of their greatest goalkeepers of all time, a legend for them, local lad, out the window because he doesn't fit what he wants to do. There's no way in 2022 if Pep Guardiola is still the manager of Manchester, uh, of Liverpool, he would still have James Milner and Jordan Henderson uh, in midfield. It just wouldn't happen. There's absolutely no chance. So that argument, we've kind of put that to the side. The second one I kind of want to touch on is that Liverpool fans love having this underdog gimmick of theirs that, oh, we, we haven't spent all this money. We haven't done this. But if you ask any Liverpool fan to go player for player in comparison to Manchester City's, at least for starting 11, they would probably pick maybe uh, until the first eight games of the season. But looking at last year, the year before that, and the year before that, they would probably pick the majority of the players in their own starting 11. They take Trent at right back. Allison is the best goalkeeper in the world. Van Dijk is the best center back in the world. Salah was the best right winger in the world. Mane for a while was the best left winger in the world. So it's hardly like Pep is coming into a team that has bang average players in every position. But if we want to even go further than that, when Pep first came into Liverpool, we're, we're, we're not going to forget here that that club went three seasons without a trophy, right? And if that Champions League final goes Spurs' way, he potentially goes another year without a trophy. So he had to take time to build this squad, build this squad, build the squad. Who's to say that Pep doesn't build a squad with the same resources Klopp does, but in an image that probably suits him a little better and gets them over the line in those finals. Let's not forget that Klopp had a narrative around him that in these big finals, he couldn't get it done. And it was only until he met Maurizio Pochettino, who was the only bigger fraud in finals than Jurgen Klopp, that he finally got over the line. It's a lot of hypotheticals. It's a lot of narratives. But at the end of the day, it comes down to this for me. Pep Guardiola is a better manager than Jurgen Klopp. He's proven it out throughout his career. And no matter what you want to say about net spend or he's, he finished one point behind him here or he made a Champions League final here, at the end of the day, you stack up what Guardiola has done compared to what Klopp has done and what their leg legacies in England say. Forget about just in history. What their legacies in England say, Pep Guardiola is the better manager. So therefore, he wins more trophies. I'm saying... I'm going to come to you just for counterpoint to the Lies one about <laughs> he'd, get, he'd, get rid of, uh, he'd get rid of Henderson, Milner and uh, Lovren and people like that. Mm. Let's not forget, Pep got rid of Joe Hart. He brought in Claudio Bravo yeah. as a technical goalkeeper, 20 million, I think it was, and immediately discarded him. Klopp yeah. doesn't have that luxury. And then he spent another 40 on Edison. If Klopp makes one mistake in the transfer market, he's penalised for several years. Look at Navi Keita, cost 40 odd million, 50 million. But he's had to keep him because FSG haven't been able Does to... Pep not get Michael Edwards in this package deal? Does he not get the supercomputer next to him? But are you allowed to use the supercomputer? There is one. That, of... that wasn't part of the main argument. <laughs> a lot of talk is Edwards wanted players, but FSG weren't sanctioning the money. Um, so I think, 
I, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let's go back. You just unlocked something in my head. What about all the players that Klopp wanted to buy that Michael Edwards basically overpowered him in those Salah, Mane. He wanted Fekir. He wanted Goza. Who else did he want? I've just received something mental on my phone, which What's is... This? Further evidence against someone's argument here, but I, I'll come to it at some point. Uh, where where do you sit with this? Because you're new to the pod, this is your chance to shine. I feel like you've got something going on here because you're nodding up both arguments. Say, I'm not going to let you sit on the fence. Say, you need to pull someone under the bus, bro. I think obviously you guys know I'm a United fan, so I don't really want to choose any side. I've been trying to find things not to like about Klopp. I've been trying to find things not to like about Pep. But I can't lie to you, as much as I try to play the Pep thing, yeah, he buys who he wants, he does. Bro, the man is a mad scientist. Easily, I think, the best manager in the world. Arguably, best manager to ever exist. And like what Roger's point is saying about, like, you know, Klopp couldn't go out and buy who he wanted. Bro, I can't lie to you, Klopp is a bit of a joke, man, to a certain extent. Because how are you achieving this much success with a team? And then all you're asking for, bro, that, that midfield is knackered. Oh, and all he needs is a centre mid. But yeah, all he, mm, all he needs is a centre mid, and he can't get it. Pep comes in, yeah. demands, like, bro, the, the Claudio Barbo thing that you said, I think that's amazing. I think that the fact that he gets a goalkeeper and then he's kind of like, he's so powerful and he's such a good manager and they have such belief in him that he can go out and say, listen, I can't lie to you. This guy's a bit of a joke man as well. Go and get Edison. I think that's amazing. I think Klopp is amazing at getting the best out of players like Fergie did, you know, John O'Shea and Jisung Park and all these players, like they're very, very average players that makes them look amazing. But if you're telling me who I would want to take over my team to build a foundation for the next 10, 20, 30 years to like look at City's Academy, bro. Look from start to finish, the, the whole the whole club is different. Yeah, I'm, I'm team Pep in, in this argument, clearly. Here's the thing, right? So team Pep, I, I completely can. I'm fine with people saying I'm team Pep or I'm team Klopp. Like I think X is the better manager. X is the better manager. That's absolutely fine. But I'm saying if they were to switch jobs, obviously it's a hypothetical. People were fuming actually mm. on social media saying, these fools are arguing half and half physicals again. That's football, mate. That's what we do. <laughs> there's no, there's no football on right now. So I love, I love your your eighty year old white white British guy. <laughs> hey, listen, I just know Gareth and Barry sat behind a picture of Hugo Almeida and Marcos Alonso. <laughs> I, I know what's up. Um, the the debate here is if there's a switch of job, if Pep was to go to. Liverpool in that when yeah. when Klopp did and mm. received that team which I, if I remember correctly had Balotelli, Barini, uh, Lambert, Mignolet, them 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 man there playing horrific football to be honest and mm. Klopp went to City which to be fair at that time City were definitely on a downturn as well they were about to lose David Silva they were about to lose Yaya Torre the top four on goal difference that year, the year yeah um, so things were definitely changing at that time as well. Um, Something to your point, Raj, and these are the receipts I was mentioning. Um, we had this chat last time in the pod as well, actually. Klopp's biggest weakness, this is your tweet, Klopp's biggest weakness is having too much loyalty to his existing squad. The fear in my man's eyes! <laughs> like he just saw someone benching 300 kg next to him. I'm a little man! I've numerous times before, man. said, is this you? <laughs> Klopp's biggest weakness is having too much loyalty to his existing squad he simply doesn't use his power to demand enough transfers like a Pep Conte Tuchel and it's why his squad has been left short a few times in his career but Raj has also said to us previously on the pod um, and more to the point I'm not trying to dig you out I am um, 
that Klopp maybe lacks that killer instinct, that like yeah, yeah. desire to actually win. He actually mm. doesn't mind just being in and amongst it. Now, if you give him City spending power, it does he now change, or do you think he still sticks he, to the give me someone three hundred fifty k a week? <laughs> no, no, I, that, I do still stand by that point. That is the big fall down of Jurgen Klopp. I don't think it's his tactics. I don't think it's his coaching. I don't think it's development of players. It's that mentality of having too much loyalty to those average uh, players. And does he change with City? That's a good question. I, I don't think he does, actually. I think he still retains some of those poor players, I have to be honest. But I think his coaching is still good enough because he's done that, obviously. He's done. He's kept those poor players and still won stuff and still got very close to winning stuff, more stuff with those poor players. I think if you still put him in City's job, he'd still win a lot of stuff. But can I just bring another point? Uh, going back to the selling and buying thing. Let's not forget, in 2017-18, Felipe Coutinho was a master technician at Liverpool. He was one of the best attacking midfielders in Europe at that point. Then, what happened? He gets sold. And the only reason Klopp was allowed to bring in Van Dijk and Alisson, John Henry even said it himself, was Coutinho was sold. That quality in midfield, Coutinho, Mane, Salah, Firmino, they were ripping stuff up. But Coutinho goes and he brings in Van Dijk and Alisson as a role. You're trading parts of your team off to improve one part, but then take a step back in the other part. That's the equivalent of Pep selling Kevin De Bruyne and using it to fund Imeric Laporte and Edison. That's a big difference right there. Yeah, but do you not think that comes down to Klopp as well? Bro, if you sell your like best centre mid or whatnot, bro, demand another centre mid comes in. Pep will never have that. That's what I'm saying. Klopp is a bit of a joke, man. Like, he will say, you know what, cool. Like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll settle for a goalkeeper. Pep will never have that. He'll walk out. Can I can I say one more thing, by the way? It's very convenient to say that, oh, Coutinho's, uh, they swapped Coutinho for Van Dijk and Allison. What about Fabinho and Navi Keita the very next summer? In that summer with Allison. It's not like that money was... Oh, Coutinho was, what, 300 million pounds that you were able to sign for, at the time, world-class players? Come on, man. History gets rewritten with Klopp, but I agree. He's a terrific manager. I don't know if he's tactically perfect. I think, in fact, he's tactically inflexible. That's the word that I would give for him. I, I, I question... Compared to the elite, elite managers that I've seen, whether his flexibility, his tactical flexibility touches theirs. No, I agree with that, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm no club critic in terms of how good of a manager he is. I don't think many managers could do what he's done with Liverpool. I think it's one of the great rebuild jobs of the last few years. But Pep, for me, man, I, I agree with you, Hussein. Even as a United fan, like, is there a little bit of nostalgia holding me back when I talk about Pep versus, versus uh, Fergie? Absolutely. When you're talking 100%. about who's the better coach, mm-hmm. I think Pep, Pep outclasses almost every single person ever. And I think you yeah. look at... I don't want to make this a whole now pep, what is Pep's impact on football, but football changes based on what Pep does. And it's hard for me to imagine that just because he has less money to spend at Liverpool, that wouldn't be the case as well. You look at Bayern too. And I, Bayern is a touchy one, right? Because he had a great squad. It's not like he needed to go buy five 100 million pound players. Like the, the squad was also very excellent. But it wasn't like he was spending hundreds of hundreds of million pounds every single summer. The same thing with Barcelona. Again, you had a great squad there, but it's not like every single summer he's breaking the bank and outspending every single team on Mm -hmm. the planet. Manchester City, of course, they have unlimited resources. Let's be real. And he is taking full advantage of that. But there is nothing to suggest that Pep can't do it with less money. Nothing. Well, yeah, what receipt do you have on me? I'm sure you pulled something. <laughs> oh, there is a receipt on you, my friend, as well. We got breaking <laughs> news. Uh, Hussein, you're hella, hella lucky, by the way. Hella what? lucky that we, we haven't been digging deep into your social media because there would be receipts on you as I well, my made friend. I would have done a timeline cleanse or something, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, Liz, this is from you. Uh, what, what, year? what year before anything? 
Uh, this is 2022. This year, it was in January, February, March, April, May. Just in May. It wasn't even that long ago. Oh, this is from the Champions League semi-final, of... isn't it? It's slating Pep after the Real Madrid game. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it is, actually. I'm a massive oh. fan of both Pep and Klopp. You know, you know that, but we got to say it as it is. These European failures are becoming harder and harder to turn a yes, blind eye to. I so yeah, I so you stand by it, and I'm abs- yeah. I absolutely agree with you that that's definitely mm-hmm. a pet problem. Now we're saying if you gave Pep less money, less budget, could he then go and win a Champions League with Liverpool like Klopp has? I, yeah. I think that the fact is with Pep, right? Like again, no money is really solving the problems that he has. I mean, maybe Haaland will do it. Let me not speak too soon, but. I look at a domestic manager, 38-game season, no one trumps the guy. No one trumps the guy. So, yeah, will, will Klopp maybe win two Champions Leagues, three Champions Leagues at Manchester City? Potentially. But I think those domestic cups, I think the league, I think Pep still reigns supreme. And you asked who's going to win more. One Champions League versus three other competitions to compete in. I'll take Pep. So, hey, I was waiting for Raj to go. I've got a counter-argument to that. Yeah. <laughs> I've got something, though. Go um, on. So, obviously, we're talking about, like, spend, whatever. Number one, I do think Pep can bring in 15, 20, 30 million pound players and turn them into monsters. I think yeah. Akanji this season is going to be a, a madman. For 15 mil, bro, he looked amazing in, in yep. the past few games that he played. And slot straight into the team, by the way. Like, there seems to be no, like, jelly and going, like, bro, he's, he looks like he's been playing there for a couple of years. Cool. Bro, how many academy players have come through as well? And if I'm giving my academy player to either Pep or Klopp, and if, if I had to choose that like, any manager in the world, bro, I'm, I'm giving it to Pep. Yeah. Pep will mold the academy player into whatever you need. Look what he did with PK at Barcelona. Yeah, the guy 100%. does. Yeah, 100%. Pedro, whoever else came in yeah. at Barca. I, I hear that, but didn't Klopp make the entire Liverpool squad better? Aside from, obviously, the players he signed, before Alisson came to Liverpool, he wasn't the best keeper in the world. That obviously goes to coaching and lots of other factors as well. Is Klopp shooting balls at him before every game? <laughs> yeah, but then, but then in that case, you <laughs> could... I'm not sure in man. <laughs> hey, listen, but then in that case, you go, okay, so Sterling, Sterling became a better goal scorer at Pep was uh, sorry at City was Pep playing through balls into him was Pep standing no, in net but I think he made the system more beneficial to him like, so then goal, so then I was, hit, I was the only one I would have made that argument for by the way everyone I, else I, you have a, you have a so point. so yeah that's what I was gonna say if you go yeah. to Robertson was an eight million yeah. signing from Hull Robertson was at, was not a good footballer before he came to Liverpool he was just an mm-hmm. engine he's then of course built Trent into what I regard as the the most modern fullback possible and fullbacks are going to continue to be more like him. Uh, and less like, essentially, Aruan Bissaka. No disrespect to Aruan Bissaka. Um, then, of, of course, at centre-back, you've got Van Dijk, who, when he came to Liverpool, he was a very good centre-back, but he wasn't the best centre-back in the world. And Klopp, not only did he find ways to ensure that his weaknesses don't, and are less prominent, um, he's also then allowed his strengths to grow as well. You've got players like Henderson. Um, and yes, there's the argument, the argument, the go-to argument is that, well, Milner should not be at Liverpool right now. Um, but I think there's lots of other factors to football. And I think Klopp alludes to that quite a lot, where it's not just a case of like, he's got Milner there for vibes. Mm. Um, he hasn't got, he's, he's not got Milner there to play every single game for the entire duration of the season. There are definitely mm. reasons for that. That's for Jordan Anderson to do. <laughs> yeah, but we can't have enough leaders in the, in the changing room. I think if you go like man for man and go uh, Pep's developed X player, if you go back to like the Dortmund days, Klopp was doing this at Dortmund as well. Klopp to mold, mold uh, all, a whole multitude of players to his system. You look at someone like Jorginho Wijnaldum. He was a number 10. He was a winger before he came to Liverpool. And then he became a kind of controlling kind of player in the middle of the park. 
Uh, and as you say, the Robertson and Trent thing, that is the one that blows my mind the most. Robertson wasn't really prolific at Hull City. He wasn't actually a, an amazing defender either. He improved both sides of Robertson's game. Trent, as you say, he's created him, made him into one of the best creators in the world as a right back. Uh, I, I think, and also then you look at Roberto Firmino as well. He'd never played in a false nine position before Klopp came along. Klopp moulded him into that position and, and made him kind of a, a pioneer in terms of Premier League. And obviously Messi did it before, but he, he was a pioneer in that position in the Premier League. So I, 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 I don't think you can hold moulding players against Klopp. I think he is, I'd say he's the best at that. He can mould anyone really into his system. Uh, look, and you can look at that and how many players have flopped. Cater and Oxley Chamberlain, mainly due to injuries. Oxley Chamberlain was doing great before his injury. Cater, he's had good stints. Even last season, he was good when he came in for Thiago. Uh, but he's just been too injury prone. So I, I think Klopp is a great moulder of players as well. And I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think the main argument, right? Like every single, we'll, we'll see of Darwin Nunez, oh, we'll see of Arthur <laughs> as well. But for the most part, for the most part, his record in terms of players he signs, whether it's his guy or not, that's a totally different mm. argument. But he almost always finds a way of moulding them into his system. It's not that I don't. I don't think he makes them into certain players but his system for me like what, what's the, the saying i always say it turns sewage water into wine man like yeah. it, it can literally hide any single player's flaws which is which is definitely something that i think i think if we went to it, I've, I've actually got a tweet that sums you're gonna hide kevin de bruyne's flaws like <laughs> hey for, to be honest he probably he probably starts playing him at right wing back and he's like that's my guy that's where you play um we're gonna read out a few tweets that came off the back of this debate. This is from um, I'm not gonna read his name out, but I'll, I'll read out his handle. Uh, it's Duard Duale, I think. Apologies for pronunciation. Not sure how this is a debate. Milner will effort Pep's entire system. Pep needs high levels of technical ability in every position, and then a squad to rotate with high levels of tech too. If Klopp had the money to rotate his full squad and have his desired players, Pep gets smoked. Milner is playing for Sheffield United right but now. He's right as well. But uh, that's the thing. Lies mentioned Klopp's uh, final failure earlier. Klopp, the whole the, Liverpool were dominating that first final against Real Madrid. Adam, Mo Salah gets taken off. Adam Lallana, who has barely even played for years under Klopp until that well, a few months, sorry, not years. Uh, he was injury prone. And he comes on that right wing in place of Mo Salah, and it kind of destroys the whole game plan. Uh, that destroys the whole game plan, or Carrius throwing it into his own net, who, by the way, was Klopp's guy, who he had multiple chances to four million pounds. Which four million pounds, Carrius. That, that's that's the levels we're talking about here. He's not worth four pounds, bro. Come on. It doesn't make him a good signing. Hey, he's gone to Newcastle now. Shout out Carrius. The man's peng. Collect your bag, man. Bro. No joke. The man's peng. Just putting it out there. Good <laughs> <laughs> points. Uh, another tweet here Pep would still walk the league while spending less as he would have Edwards scouting for him Klopp on the other hand would struggle as he only started signing seriously after selling Coutinho plus his persistence with players in midfield would be worse like how deep are you trying to go into this because cool let's say they swap jobs are they given the current squad or are they are they given like Pep you know when he comes into a, to a team he's going to say listen I want this replaced I want this guy replaced this guy's this guy's dead I'm, I want him replaced are we are we taking it like like that or are we just saying no they, just the, the squad that they've been given now I think, no, you, I think you're saying if they had, you're saying like if they had taken over at the, at the yeah the yeah so if they went if they took over at the start got that starter pack in what's happening yeah um, yeah, I, think Pep, Pep here's, I think this tweet probably sums it up very nicely. 
Uh, this is from Eno Footbo, who's a proper top guy, by the way. I think, Leah, you follow him. Yeah, you do. But Leah's making bank these days. You don't know who he's following. <laughs> oh, come on. No, that's, that's a day one right there. <laughs> you mean, um, you mean said, I Ferran Torres, not Leah's. And also, there's a, there's a bit, there's a bit, there's a bit <laughs> of bias there. Ferran, uh, Leah's was a former player under Pep, so we can't take his view seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, bro, give me a big break. <laughs> Go back home. Um... Eno says, I reckon the manager at Man City wins more trophies. And to be honest, I'm not sure Pep makes Liverpool as successful as Klopp has. But I also don't think Pep wins the Premier with Leicester. Doesn't mean Ranieri is better, just managers of different qualities. Um, I'm going to sit on the fence and agree with that. I think it's it's really difficult to say who would be a better manager because we've never seen Pep without cash. And we've never actually seen Klopp spend multiple like well, look because we've never seen him about cash like liverpool is just like stevenage or no no no, like no what i mean is like if if you think about pep's situation he has a, a left back who's now in prison that he signed for 60 million and he couldn't get the best out of true but he also has a a, a left back who's now at arsenal that he spent what three hundred fifty thousand pounds on and exactly but my point there is like liverpool had robertson for eight million and actually nobody else so i'm saying in, in, in not in the sense of like Pep definitely needs cash and needs loads of it, but in the sense of Pep definitely spends more cash and is fine with not it not working out because he can find other solutions. Um, so in conclusion, I think I'm going to sit right on the fence and say this has been an exceptional debate, but I don't know who wins more trophies. I'll leave it to people uh, to decide at home. And also just on an absolute side note, as I was going through those quote tweets, there's people like tweeting us going, why are we letting four brown men talk about football managers? Shut up. That's it's the, the future. Podcast. It's the future, Gary. It's the future, Barry. Gary. It's what we're doing. It's what we're doing. Yeah, a segment needs to be dedicated to reading their ads out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, next week we get after them. The week after that, we find their unions. <laughs> employers we have to wait till the end of the episode to hear this week's icebreaker which we'll give to you guys on social media to discuss again and if it boils over we may have a long chat about it at the start of next week's episode again speaking of something completely on the opposite end of this because i feel like we've done this episode 10 i think and spurs haven't been mentioned at all and i had bare spurs fans tweeting me going yo like i listened to the no ratings pod why don't you talk about spurs and small clubs I was like, that's a weird thing to say. Because um, like, you're, you're bigging up your club, but you're saying small clubs as well. I want to say we spoke about Brentford in week two, I think, when they cooked United. Um, we spoke we speak about Ivan Tony every week. Like every week without fail. I'm sick of the Ivan Tony conversation. Um, so let's talk about Conte. Let's talk about Tottenham and what, they, what they've been doing. Top of the league, joint top, should I say. Um, and we haven't quite seen the best of Kane. We haven't quite seen the best of Son. Obviously, came on and scored two outrageous goals but I'm not going to lie Danny Ward may as well have not been in net the man was a hologram he was yeah he, was, he had an absolute stinker um, Hussein for Spurs are they title contenders for real this time title contenders in a sense that they'll, I think they'll finish top two but I don't think they'll get close to City I think City are, I think City have won the league they, they've early. won the league I think it's very early, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a long season. This Haaland guy, I'm sick of, by the way. I don't want to see him ever again. But um, I think they will get second. The Leicester game was a bit shaky up until Son came on and changed everything. But I think Conte is a madman. I think he's one of the best managers around. Wherever he goes, he breeds success. He's just, yeah, 
Um, he saw what he done at Inter. Inter was failing heavy before he came in and, and shake things up. So, yeah, I think he will win a trophy with Spurs. I don't know if he'll be the league. Um, I don't see them winning the Premier League, but I think he will win a trophy. Just a quick correction here. Spurs are not joint top. They're actually a point behind Arsenal um, because Arsenal won today. I was, I was testing if any of you guys actually watched the Premier League, but clearly not. Waste man's a lot of you. Yeah, um, it's our fault. <laughs> FPL and vibes, that's what I like. Yeah, yeah, legit. Um Raj, you're a massive, massive, massive Conte fan. I swear to God, I think you even praised his wig at some point. I don't know. Is it a wig? Yeah, Can I clarify? Is it nah, a wig or is it, is it a hair transplant? Best hair transplant of all time. Mental. Yeah, I thought it was a wig. I swear to God, I thought it was a wig. You head when he was What's at Juve. Transfer? When he was a, U- at a centre mid at Juve. His hair was falling I'd out. Seen, on I've seen the you're going to Turkey. Why are you chatting about I don't know what a hair transplant is. Because... <laughs> I, I had hair transfer, so I'm thinking, what's going on? What is it alone? Uh, five million? <laughs> what, what's going on? An option to buy. <laughs> I had yeah, option to buy. Is he testing out first? <laughs> by, by the way, can I just say his missus and his son are extremely like very very nice people. Well, they used to they used to come to the shop. I used oh, to work out. So why you know nice about people. his missus? Aren't they? <laughs> 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 no, I, I don't want to get into that side of Conte. He's a madman. Yeah, let's let's leave it at that. They used to they used to come to our shop. I used to work at. Very nice, nice. people. That That's, is a yeah. sensational caveat. Might be might even make the title of the the. <laughs> Conte's wife is Conte has nice family. <laughs> um, Rod, chat to me about Conte. You're a massive Conte fan. Spurs are in this title race. There's always this thing about Conte. Will he last? Might he? Might he not last? They've spent big. Is Conte the guy to take Tottenham to a title? So yeah, yeah, I love Conte. I think we were talking earlier about Klopp papering over players' flaws. I think Conte's actually another level above that in terms of papering over yeah, players' flaws. You look at who he's got uh, in that team. He's got the likes of Ben Davis, Eric Dyer, Hoiberg. Even Ben Tanker was struggling at Juve. Uh, he's papered over all of them Emerson. and got them top four last season. And he did the same at Chelsea when he won the Premier League title. Likes of David Luiz, Gary Cahill, Victor Moses, Marcos Alonso. He, he, he made them all look title-winning calibre. But I think there's a key difference this time around. The league has evolved. I think Man City now mm. have a much better team than they did back then. Liverpool have obviously assembled a decent team over a couple of slots. Uh, so I think the standard's higher and you can't afford those minor flaws in your team or even major flaws in some cases to win the Premier League title and go at 90 plus point pace, which I think Man City are bound to hit again. I think there's some key weaknesses there. As I said, Dyer, I think he's a bit of a problem at central centre-back. What happening, what's happening is with that 3-4-3 Conti's playing, they're playing a midfield two in there and they're getting overloaded a lot of the time. Ruben Amorim did that brilliantly. Uh, in the Sporting Spurs match. He dropped Marcus Edwards and then Paulinho as a false nine in behind that hoiberg Bentancur pivot and it killed him. Uh, and it was a dominant win for Sporting, really. And I think you're seeing more teams do that in the Premier League as well. Tuchel actually did it as well in that 2-2 draw when he played two number 10s. So I think that's a big weakness in that system. I don't think Bentancur and Hoiberg are top calibre. You, you could see maybe Conte switching to a 3-5-2 and putting three midfielders in there. But they don't really have a, a kind of creative midfielder, which is another profile I think they're lacking. They should have gone for Yuri Tielemans, in my opinion, or even uh, uh, because I think that trio that he played uh, yesterday against Leicester when uh, Basuma came on, it doesn't really have a top creator in there or good passing or good passer in there. Bentaker is good, but uh, when he's under pressure, he gets found out a bit. But um, yeah, I think that is the major weakness. And then left-sided centre-back as well. Uh, Clement Longley, he's decent on the ball, but defensively, he's a bit of a weak link. So I think those minor weak links in the team will cost them any chance of title contention. Shit, I, I agree with everything you just said. I think, in <laughs> fact, when you talk about midfielders as well, like that can that can really pass a ball around. The one at United that used to play for Spurs isn't too yeah. bad himself. And if you believe the rumors, Spurs actually de- declined the opportunity to sign him. Can you imagine Christian mm. Eriksen in this team? I think that would be incredible. 
Conte and Spurs are such an enigma for me because I'm a big believer that over a 38-game season, the, the table doesn't lie. The best team always finishes first, the worst team always finishes last, and so on and so forth. But Spurs seem to cheat this narrative, this theory of mine, every single week because I hardly ever see them really dominating mm. games. I hardly ever see them really playing exceptional football. But they are so effective and so efficient, and they, they get the job done almost every single time. And I agree completely when Raj says that there is no better floor raiser in world football than Antonio Conte. He brings up Chelsea. He brings up Spurs now. I bring up Inter as well. He was winning the league with Darmian and Ashley Young as his wingbacks. No one on, on the planet can do what Antonio Conte does with bang average players. He's exceptional at that. Are they title challengers? I kind of side of Hussein in that, in that sense. Like I also have them finishing second over Arsenal, who I actually think are playing much better football. But at the end of the day, mm -hmm. if I trust Conte or Arteta, it's going to be Conte. Can you be a title challenge? It's like United in, in uh, 2021 when they were second, but they finished like 14 points behind City, who basically took the last five games of the season off. Like, are you mm -hmm. title challengers at that point? On paper, perhaps, but not in reality. So yeah, I, I, kind of, I kind of side with him as well. Spurs, again, are the biggest conundrum in the league for me. But as long as they keep winning, as long as they keep getting their results, and in the big games, you, you can tend to, to rely on them. They have an exceptional record against City. They've given Liverpool problems. Surprisingly, the one team they've struggled with has been United, who the last 12 to 18 months haven't been good whatsoever. Yeah, I, I think they're good for second, third at worst, in my opinion. The thing is here, I'm looking at Spurs' results, and I've watched probably five of their eight games and they haven't played well in any game, any like, like you said. Yeah. Spurs fans have been saying, we don't have to play well to win, which is also a little bit of a feature of Conte. When Inter won the league, there was about a seven-game spell where they stunk the place mm. out, but they'd win 1-0, 2-1, 3-2, 4-3. Staple of his game, yeah. Yeah, and so you kind of go, well, it, you can argue, like you just said there, the best team will win the league at the end of the season. But you could also argue, well, Conte doesn't actually, he's never actually needed to be the best team yeah. in the in the league to win I the agree. league yeah. um the only game they struggled in is Chelsea which was 2-2 which is the only big game they've played apart from that they've smashed Southampton they beat Wolves they beat Forest they be, uh, drew with West Ham they beat Fulham and they beat Leicester generally speaking when I look at most um fixtures I'm kind of going Spurs will struggle against teams who play a low block or mm. like a mid block like I, I don't think Leicester really played a mid block I felt thought they actually played better football mm. Fulham played a mid block and they broke them down I feel like Conte might actually be going, we play Arsenal. If we get past Arsenal, we play Brighton, Everton, United, Newcastle, Bournemouth. Wow. If we're in the race on game week 14 and we've got Kane cooking, because Kane's not quite cooking yet. We've got Son cooking and we're actually playing a bit better because I think they've got two or three levels to go. Whereas, like you said, I think Arsenal are actually playing the best they I could agree. possibly play. I so I think Arsenal are going to fall off. My, my dad used to say, I've never betted, but my dad used to say in horse racing, when the, the leading horse is at the front for the longest period, it's always going to finish last. And it always does because it, it basically gets knackered. Yeah. Um, no, that's not a betting I, tip to any I, I kid out brought, there. Don't do it. <laughs> I, just, I think you brought up a good point too, right? I disagree. I think Kane right now in goal scoring form, I think he, he's really carried Spurs at times this season. Son is the one though before last game week that literally could not find a goal to save his life. To have that caliber of finisher, arguably the best finisher up there, mm -hmm. right, in the league, back in form is such a huge weapon for yeah. Spurs. And then you think of Richarlison, who's had his moments in and out. He still hasn't really found a defined role in this team. Bissouma was supposed to be their big midfield signing, and he really hasn't found a role in this team. I say that, like, not to slay any of this, but 
to just say Spurs have, like you said, two or three levels still yeah. to go, and they're still winning the games already. That's got to be dangerous I, for I, every single team. I think a key thing is, I think he does need to slightly tweak the three-four-three he's using at the moment. I think that midfield yeah. needs an extra guy in there. I, I'd be interested to see if he uses that three-five-two he used in the second half against Leicester, and know. you can get rid of one of your weak links in the team, and that is Emerson Royale at right wing back. Put Dejan Kulisevsky. You hate this guy, man. He's you, horrible. He's a, he's this so guy is bad. not Brazilian. I he's refuse so to believe bad. this guy's Brazilian. Yeah. Him and Fred. Him and Fred need to be inspected. <laughs> Come on, Fred, man. There's something going on there, man. Come on, Fred. But yeah, I, they they bought their citizenship. <laughs> I think you, the three-five-two might actually be beneficial. Put Bissouma in there with Ben Tanker and Hoiberg, and then you put Kulusevski at right wing back. And the, one of the main strengths of the Conti system is. He wins the ball back ferociously in that middle third of the pitch. And if you had an extra guy like Basuma in there, I think that could be the key to maybe being in title contention. He's done that as well too yeah. at Inter, right? He had Brozovic, Barella mm. and Eriksen for a while. So yeah, he has that tactical flexibility really in his locker. I agree with you. I think Bentancur and Hoiberg, I think they're both actually very underrated players in their own right, individually. But mm. together... I, I think that midfield is, is arguably the weakest link in, in that team. Yeah, I would say as well, I think with Spurs, if they don't win it this season, I can't see them winning it for, you know, another few years. I think Kane, um, from what, you know, sources are saying in, in Germany and whatnot, that Bayern are preparing a bid for him for next mm. year. Um, Conte is not... I'm waiting for Spurs to piss Conte off because as soon as they do, he's off. Yeah. Like he's just, I, f- I feel like he's just waiting for a reason to just dip. And they don't sign him um, as eighth right wing back in the window. Yeah, literally. And, and, and again, in January, I think in Jan- I think he's going to strengthen in January. He's going to go out and say, yeah, look, I want this guy buying to loan, this guy buying to loan, whatever, like he did last year. Um, so I think this is the best chance they do- they've got. You've seen one minor crack already. The club bought Jed Spence without his approval. And now Conte is not mm. using Jed Spence. So there's been a bit of conflict there mm. already. And he was a bit annoyed by that signing, I think, I as well. That. So any more of those, I think, mm. it could be a, a bomb waiting to go off, really. The whole Conte thing makes me laugh, man. We're all, like, from ethnic backgrounds. I feel like we've all got an auntie like this, in it? <laughs> Where you're like, oh, man, one thing. Just don't don't mention that one thing of why <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, going to go off on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Conte's that guy. I feel like even if Spurs accommodate a bid from Bayern in January for Kane, that's it. Conte's yeah. going, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't even want that conversation. And that's it. Yeah. So like anti anti bringing over some random sweets you didn't want, just eat them. Because yeah. if you don't eat them, she's walking out the door. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I feel like you got to really, um, re- yeah. The thing Con- is, uh, the anti right? leave, but Conte, you know, if he leaves, you're in trouble. <laughs> I think the minute Conte leaves, Spurs are heading towards a yeah, yeah. To be honest, like I think the Con- the Conte appointment for me was always a risk because if Kane had decided to leave appointing Conte was basically pointless, but it's all yeah, gone yeah. very well and the, for Spurs since they've appointed him. Everything's so gone The thing is, they have got mm-hmm. a, back, a, a backup in their pocket and that's Mauricio Pochettino returning to the club. I think that, they, <laughs> I, I think yeah. Levy has that one in his back pocket just in case Conte implodes. Uh, Poch obviously loves the club, yeah. but... Oh, that would be yeah. mental. Would, also, what's going on at Juve as well? Uh, Allegri, I don't know if Conte would like mm. to go back there. That yeah. could be a thing, but... I look at Inter yeah. as well, right? Inter under Inzaghi have yeah, been struggling. Yeah. Not been to make this season, Serie yeah. feature, but yeah, yeah Inzaghi but still, as well. Yeah. Inter is Just a quick one on Conte here. I always scratch my head with it, right? I love Conte. I'm, I'm all about tactics, etc., etc. But can you, can you actually rate this guy that much when he actually just... Flips and dips. Mm. Like you, like a part of me is like, wait, hold on. We're all going like he's one of the best managers in the world. But the second one little piece of his jigsaw isn't going his way, or the second someone chats to him in a way he doesn't want to get chatted to, he just goes, "I'm done. I'm gone." That's a little bit weird. Yeah, but it's better than what Klopp's uh, had to. I was going to no? say, <laughs> yeah, like Klopp can take a, a page out of his book on that. I, I, I rate it personally. I think it's kind. Of, I think it builds. Um, 
like that that kind of presence where it's kind of like the next club that he goes to th they know not to mess around they know to give him what he wants yeah, um, yeah literally in fact spurs as well if you remember last season they had that interview with him and they basically at the last second pulled out of it and they went for yeah. nuno yeah Conte was waiting in january like all right you could not you could not oh what's that one panel's <laughs> like you could not oh, yeah. <laughs> where they lead you back I think, uh, it's an interesting point from uh you rambo there because i think there's two ends of the spectrum you got the Conte. he throws his toys out the prams if he doesn't get any transfer Klopp, he'll take anyone they'll give him bloody um osanka back and he'll love it there's two there's two ends of the spectrum i think the guy oh this is some guardiola praise here. i think he is a bit more central on the spectrum he doesn't really lose his head if he doesn't sign a striker like last season he had foden as a false nine and he played with it uh and he doesn't really he he still has enough kind of a push to have a few transfers uh there for him so yeah i think that is probably some pet praise going back to the earlier debate just making my point a little more <laughs> thank you <laughs> this guy man leah's loves her told you so um you're that guy just quickly before we move on very quickly uh leah's where do spurs finish come the end of the season second i have them second yeah hussein second second yeah Raj? I, I think third because i think uh, Thiago coming back to fitness is basically the game changer for Liverpool. But no, that, that, yeah, third. Hey, lock Thiago in an ice chamber in Liverpool. It might happen for Liverpool. If you don't, <laughs> it ain't happening, man. Um, we'll be back in a second where we're going to chat about England and uh, anyone we think who might have missed out on Gareth Southgate's most recent squad. Right, let's get straight to Wembley and join our senior reporter, Rob Dorset, who has details of the squad in full. But Rob, it's the inclusion of Ivan Tony, really, that will make all the headlines this afternoon. Gareth Southgate has uh, named his recent England squad and a few people are a little upset. So we're going to look into the ins and outs of why people are upset uh, and certain characters that may be missing from his recent squad. Uh, Hussein, what did you make of Gareth Southgate's most recent selection? Because, uh, as I say, people on social media, I feel like England fans generally are just annoyed. <laughs> it's just a given, isn't it? Like, we're always just angry for no reason. Just waiting for something to... We're, we're basically Conte. <laughs> we're just waiting for something to piss us off. But, um, yeah, I think, obviously, being a United fan, I've watched a lot of uh, Jadon Sancho this season. I think he should have been included. Oh, boy. Um, oh, yeah. boy. Go on, please, yeah. please. Listen, I, I like Bowen, uh, Gerard Bowen, yeah? I do like him. But he's good... At West Ham, he is he is a West Ham player. I think Sancho this season has come on leaps and bounds. I think he's added goals to his game, as we've seen. I think he's only going to grow from here. I I, I don't see why you don't take him, um, but I think I, I I'm going to cut him some slack. I think the rest of the squad he has got. You know, I do like obviously Fakaya Tomori. I don't see how Maguire gets in, um, but again, you know, Ben White Ben White was left yeah. out, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a mad thing. I think he gets in over Maguire any day of the week, even over Eric Dyer. Um, but yeah, I think he's got the the the, the bulk of it correct. Leas, please, you're yeah, rubbing that beard that doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm manifesting. <laughs> um, Jaden Sancho. Yeah, I had a clip that actually went viral like this week over Sancho. And listen, people think that I have like this agenda against the guy. I don't. I, I want him to succeed. I think he's a good player. I think he's very talented. But even with his goals and assists this year, I, I still think Sancho has been underwhelming. I still think he has a few levels to really go up to, to to truly justify the price tag and justify a starting spot in this England team. Do I believe he should be in the squad? I do agree. I think Jared Bowen is the one I obviously look at. But not to kind of look at just those specific players. I feel like in international football in general, fans always have something to say. Like France, for example, right now, not to... to, to take too much focus away from England, but France, Arsenal fans at the moment will be very unhappy that Saliba might not be starting mm. or that Konate can't get a look in from Liverpool fans. At the end of the day, 
there's a lot of politics that come into this in terms of how long have you been with the squad. Like Tyrone Mings, there was a while, I don't know if he's in this current nah. one, but there was a while where every single squad, he's making it. Connor Cody, every single squad, he's making it. And it's not because they're exceptional players that are going to be fighting for a spot in that team. It's what they provide past the, the 11-man playing team. Uh, I look at Maguire, for example. This is a guy that, like it or not, with two, three months uh, away from Qatar, he's going to be in every single squad because he has been a player that since Gareth Southgate took over this team has been one of the, the, the cores of the foundation that he's built. Rightly or wrongly, he has been in that core. And two months away from the tournament, he's not going to just like take one of the most vital pieces out of it. And with what? These guys see each other what, three times a season, try and, and, and shoehorn someone else in. So I never really get the, the outrage amongst this. Why does Deschamps always take Loris? Why does, uh, for example, Southgate take Maguire and Shaw? Because these guys, he mm-hmm. can trust them. But I look at one guy in particular. And it's one guy that I don't think has ever gotten a single call-up for this England team since he's kind of made his mark on the Premier League. And it's a guy who scored probably the mm-hmm. goal of the weekend, and it's James Madison. And I, I was asked by uh, Carl Anka from The Athletic this week, where do you fit James Madison in? Firstly, you never know until you actually take him and, and experiment with him in this 11. But B, the main argument I always hear is, oh, can he play in a, in a three at the back? Why not just be a bit more adventurous to allow players like James Madison to kind of come into your team? You look at England, and for me, I, I look at it, a severe lack of creativity, a severe lack of X factor, a player that can kind of get on the ball and make things happen. James Madison at the moment, in terms of English players, is probably right at the top of those kinds of players. So he would have been someone that I would have tried the last few camps to really get into the team. Outside of that, there's not too many huge surpri- surprises for me at this stage of Gareth Southgate's uh, England career because these are the same guys that he's been picking and he trusted them, which is which is rightfully so. I just saw Sikander as well, our producer, say Ivan Tony. That's a good one because I think he does deserve his spot. And I look at the other guys, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Ollie Watkins. They haven't lit the world up uh, in, in recent in recent weeks. The thing is with the the England squad, right? I I I think international management is probably the most difficult type of football management because you get you get a hold of players, you get to watch them for three games against Macedonia, Binmen, and and San Marino. And so the assumption you're going to have is like the these are the teams we play against. This is how we set up. And then I'll see you again in three months' time or in two months' time. In week-to-week Premier League management, league management, whatever you want to call it, you're seeing your players every single week. So if, if one week you see Pep starting, uh, I don't know, a Kanji, two, three weeks later, he's made two or three mistakes, he's now out of the team for 10 games. And that that kind of makes sense. So when you say like Maguire's still in the squad, Shaw's still in the squad, in my opinion, those things make sense. Yeah. Um, because he knows when he takes them to the World Cup, the type of character they are the type of personality they are. There's always been this question around Madison's personality. I don't know anything about it exclusively, so I can't really say. Um, From what I see and hear, he seems like a top guy. Um, Maybe he's a little bit too expressive for Southgate. But then you'd say, well, Jack Grealish is like the the complete, like the the real extreme of everything Southgate probably doesn't believe in. There are a few names that I think he might have missed. I think Madison's definitely one of them. Ben White's another one. I actually don't think Sancho deserves a shout. I think he hasn't been consistent enough. I think like for Southgate to pick someone, and I'm saying sitting in Southgate's seat, he needs to see someone be in form or turning up every single week for a consecutive period of time. And I think he hasn't seen that. Like it took Tammy Abraham so long to get back into the squad and he was cooking. He was cooking for like three, four, five, six months straight before Southgate went, I give you a chance. Tamori, another one where... He basically didn't believe in him at all and now thinks he might be the guy. On the flip side of that, he's got Connor Cody and this is a guy he trusts a lot, even though people are going, 
he's not playing well at all at, at club level. So there's like, how do you even manage an international squad? There's no like recipe. So you kind of stick to what you know. Um, Raj, you've been like very critical of Southgate's way of playing. Is then bringing in someone like Madison and changing the way England play going completely against everything Southgate's done to actually get England further than they've been in so many tournaments? Uh, yeah, no, I kind of agree with you because Madison has been in top form and Grealish is a fairly similar kind of profile, both on and off the pitch. So I don't see that kind of changing the balance too much. And for all the hype about Grealish, in an England shirt, he's had a few fleeting moments here and there. He hasn't been a consistent performer. That Germany sub-cameo in the Euros was probably his best performance. But other than that, I can't think of many big moments. Um, so, yeah, Madsen is the big one. Uh, other than that, I, I, irrelevant of the squad, I think we're bang in trouble. We are bang in trouble. I think you look at what's happening in England now. As Liez said, there was a concern over Southgate being too pragmatic, using that 3-4-3, wasn't really attacking with any fluency at all. So what did he do? Last game, we played Hungary and we went to a 4-3-3 and we got absolutely destroyed. 4-0 loss to Hungary after changing system. So it looks like whatever system he uses, we're in trouble. Uh, defensively with a 4-3-3 and then offensively with a 3-4-3. So I see no solution to the problem. I'm actually tipping a possible early group exit for England from, from the World Cup. The States are kind of building a nice little squad there. Um, and even, um, who's the other team in the group? It's States and Wales. Wales. Wales I, I love, hey, listen, I love the fact you went, they're going to struggle in, in, the, in the World Cup. USA, who the hell is the rest of the group? So yeah, Wales are the kind of the opposite of England. They turn up for the big occasion so often. Um, yeah, so I'm, and even someone like, who is uh, Carlos Kiros, Iran, that's Iran. the one. Carlos Kiros's low block is giving me nightmares right now. I saw what he did with Egypt, and I think the Iranians could even cause us problems at this rate. So, yeah, I, I actually expect a really bad uh, World Cup for us, and I don't think the squad really will change much uh, in terms of that. Hussein, do you were uh, nodding and like thoroughly enjoying Raj saying this, man? It is good. It's, it's nice hearing people's perspective. Uh, but you guys are talking about Grealish. I don't like. Okay, where do we draw the line about this favourite stuff? Because what's, like, really and truly, what's Grealish done this year? Like, you're saying Sancho, cool, like, inconsistent, blah, blah. But if we're doing like for like, left winger, you put Grealish, you play Grealish off the left, you play Sancho off the left. Sancho has done more this season. So why is he not in contention with Grealish? Is? And even when Grealish has put on an English shirt, it is, like so, uh, like Raj said, it is um, underwhelming. Um, but on that, I, I do think, listen, Southgate's, he seems like a lovely guy. He seems like a very nice guy. He's got everyone talking, everyone getting along. You get me? There seems to be very good team cohesion. You know, football manager where team 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 cohesion is like high. <laughs> it seems like that, but I don't know if we're ever gonna win a trophy. I think this is an amazing chance. I think we've got very very good quality players um, in in a system where we can press, we can hold the ball, we can take the the game to the opposition. I think Southgate's method is you know sit back, get you know get, soak up pressure, then we hit them on a break or whatever it is. Um, I I don't know if he's gonna take us to to the heights that we should be getting to. Um, yeah, I think maybe, I don't know, quarters maximum we're going to get to. Um, I, I have a yeah. question for you guys, though. I, I look at one key factor uh, for the last, I think, no, the last tournament. I don't think he was at the World Cup. Calvin Phillips uh, expected to be out. And I think the, the report from The Athletic today was that he will be back just in time for the World Cup. But regardless, he hasn't been playing at all for Manchester City. Uh, this is an injury that you don't expect. He's going to come back right, on, right the, the same way he was before. But even if he was... 
how big a miss is this for England? Because you look at this system that they've they've based so much of their play style around him being out. And this is kind of where I go to my, if you want to call it an agenda, my Bellingham agenda. You can't just co- completely swap mm. uh, Calvin Phillips with Bellingham and hope for a straight swap. It's not going to happen. The most like for like perhaps would have been Jordan Henderson, but is he even in this England injured, squad? I haven't injured. really looked hard enough at that. He isn't, but he's injured. There you go, another one yeah. who's injured all the time. How does Southgate adapt? Is it, uh, uh, what's it called? A Ward Prowse substitution? Is that good enough at this level? <laughs> he was level? shocking against Villa like on Friday. Right. So that's another thing with the, this whole system. I feel like it's so dependent on a few players. And like the minute those players go out the window, how do you react? And that's what I'm very interested in looking at this, this group of friendlies from England. The thing is, right, I agree with everyone with what they're saying. But then I also look at the squad and go, real talk going, England don't actually have two good centre-backs. John Stones is an outstanding outstanding centre-back. We actually haven't got a good left-back. Chilwell's always injured. Um, and he's definitely much more suited to playing left-wing-back. Left wing We've got tons of right-backs like, for days. We don't actually have a good keeper. We've got a keeper who's like amped, and when you're playing a low block, can make a couple of big saves, but in big situations, he's going to make a high-profile error. It, it literally is Shout a given. Nick Pope, though. Shout out Nick Pope. Nick Pope can't... Like, Nick Pope's terrible That's with his feet, yeah. though. So, mm. you can't... Ah, he's a hologram, man. He's the, he's the next Danny Ward. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, Ramsdale and Pickford, for me, both have such similar personalities that yeah, in a big situation... Yeah, like some, some, <laughs> Boy, I did not say that. <laughs> you got crackhead tendencies, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> big accusations. Um, they got crackhead I, tendencies. Not, I, can't, I can't speak on what they do in their private life, but their tendencies are like... <laughs> I think they can just switch. They can have a moment. I think it was in the... Uh, I think it was the, the, the Italy game in the Euros where Pickford came charging out, sliced it up in the air, and it caused chaos. And I was like, just relax, bro. Like... And then he charged back to his net and started screaming at some next man. I was like, just it's always, it's always keepers who celebrate their own yeah, their yeah. own saves. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, they they sip the Gatorade and then throw it into the post. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> I know what kind of profile you are. Um, Any Malukasade, first of all, but Gatorade. Listen, if you want to sponsor, I don't mind. Um, there, there's definitely something there where Southgate's gone. We don't actually have a backline that we can actually play from. So we're going to have to be defensive. Um, Therefore, I don't actually understand why England fans, football fans, complain so much about Southgate when he is actually one of the most successful England managers and he doesn't actually have the best squad. Yes, we've got some outstanding players, but do we have two good midfield? You literally said yourself, if Calvin Phillips is out, who are you replacing with? And Calvin Phillips can't get a game. I said in that system, don't, 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 don't get it twisted here. They, they, I, I'd said Jude Bellingham, and people are going to think I have a Jude Bellingham agenda now. He's still a really good midfielder, and I think there's a way that you can get the likes of him, Declan Rice, potentially Mason Mount in a better system and a better role that suits him perhaps more. And then, hey, newsflash, James Madison can come to the team and do his magic. So I think all my criticisms over England is the system. I think while it protects a team, it also holds back a lot of individuals in a way. And I think that's really the, the risk here. Like, that system has brought you so much success the last two tournaments, but, but yeah. would players not perform at a higher level if given a bit more freedom and, and but yes we tried the 4 free free in the last game and we got we got torn apart because as uh, rambo's was it against yeah, hungry yeah uh we tried a phillips bellingham connor gallagher midfield free but then the center backs as rambo said we don't have the center backs for it so the center backs got mm. done so either way i think you're in a bit of a problem uh in terms of the balance you're a united fan right and i think uh, i come to this point about Maguire, in particular Maguire. 
if you isolate Maguire, in my opinion, actually, if you isolate most defenders in this day and age, unless they're quick and strong, they're going to get baited because the game's evolved in such a way where attackers have so much advantage and attackers are so much more intelligent. They have runners beyond mm. and wing backs are bombing on. So your centre backs need to be able to A, defend in wide areas and B, defend 1v1. Maguire is not that guy. He is he is he is uh, essentially a bit of a kick it lump it centre back, which is not a problem. But like Southgate recognizes that and plays that. Stones is someone who can definitely deal with it. But even Stones at City, when he's played centre back uh, in a pair with Diaz, and they've kind of had moments where they get dragged around a little bit, and he doesn't suit it. Which is why he plays Kyle Walker mm-hmm. in there to say we've got a little cheat code at the back. So I actually think Southgate is doing a lot with the squad he's got because then I look at the midfield and I go. Rice, Calvin Phillips, Ward Prowse. Am I scared if I'm France? I'm not. Yeah, no, I, um, <laughs> I think the midfield, honestly, you talk about the defense. I actually think the midfield is, is the weakest point. There is no yeah. controller in there. There's no first phase midfield. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, I don't know, man. Uh, Raj, you said England won't have a good World Cup. Where did you say they'd finish? We're going to do loads of World Cup shows, but I'm just I keen to know. I can tell you, Raj, just, just for certainty, if England finish first, then they will play the, the second place of the, the group of Netherlands, Ecuador, Senegal, and oh. Qatar. Oh, that's a horrible group. You know, Senegal coming second. Then you would play the first place, I believe, of Germany. Uh, yeah, we'll get that out. That's I think Pulisic and all of them guys are going to run all over us, honestly, in that game. So I think we'll finish second and then get knocked out to... Flick or Flicks Germany or someone like that. So yeah, I would. Uh, I think last sixteen were out. Producer, uh, I did say you. I did not say we. So you did. You did hear that correct. But uh, wait, yeah, you're you're. No, I have, I have Canada or America. Yeah, yeah, I, I got everything, man. I got Algeria, Canada, France. Yeah. Uh, who are you sporting in this mm. World Cup? Yeah. Here's the thing. I've never gone into a World Cup with Canada before, so this is the first time. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them some of my allegiance. Algeria would be the team I'd normally support, but they're obviously not there. And then international football. To be honest, I always find myself uh, supporting certain players that I really want to see succeed. So like this obvious Messi and Neymar for me. So if Canada, when Canada goes out early, I'd like to see them really go for. I have you guys coming out of the group in first. I think it is a weak group, honestly. Like I don't, I think on their own they're okay, but I think England has so much quality. I then have you guys beating Senegal. But then if everything goes to plan, I would have you guys playing France in the quarterfinals. And then I think that's just too much quality. And yeah. as much as I don't rate Didier Deschamps, I still yeah. think that he would hit that team with cooking. Uh, Hussein, what's your background? Uh, Lebanese Iraqi. So I've never supported anyone at the World Cup other than England. <laughs> and Italy in 2006, because I liked a lot of their players. Who are you supporting this World Cup? Gee, Southgate, isn't it? England. Yeah, Iran, maybe. I've got a bit of a uh, heritage from there. So you get me. England, Iran might be a difficult one for me. Um, but yeah, England, as much as, yeah, it is going to be tough. I-, I need to look at, you know, how everything progresses. But if everything is like you guys said, then yeah, quarters is going to be a very long day. Here's, um, here's one thing before I give my prediction. Um, Elias, we dragged you under the bus with your tweets. Raj, we dragged you under the bus with your tweets. I apologize, not me, it's the producers. Um, Hussein, I'm hearing, and I don't know, we haven't told you this before. We haven't told you this before, but um, the initiation for the pod is the person who hops on either has to sing a song or do accents. And I'm hearing you do really good accents. So, nah. um, Nah. Hey, listen. Producers got that one wrong. That's next question. (laughs) That's news for me anyway. (laughs) Next question. He's running scared. He's running scared on a pod. Oh, the. Producers few minutes. Not my debut. Though. You know when you play your debut, you got sideways passes. You can't be doing a Rabona G. Like let me let me ease in. <laughs> yeah, but second appearance, third so appearance. The thing is, you like, you, on, you, you either do a I don't know, you either do a Tara Mingze and just start lumping it into the corner flag every two minutes and shouting <laughs> at everyone and getting picked next time round, or go big. You do Connor Cody winning every header and patting the chest, kissing the badge. It's no, a dream. No, no. 
Ken is not letting this go. I'll allow you. Off camera, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> oh, it's poor. Next time, we've, we've got it yeah. ri- We've got it not written, but heard. <laughs> um, I also think England will go out in the quarterfinals. I don't back England against France at all. I don't rate Didier Deschamps as a manager whatsoever. He literally is just vibes. Pure, not even vibes. Actually, he's not even vibes. The guy's, he's nothing. He's just got good footballers, literally. Um, so I think England will get cooked. I actually think they'll struggle against Senegal. I think it'll go to extra time. Um, yeah. and England would then the excuse will be it was a tough ride against Senate, and uh, we had to go to extra time, <laughs> penalties against Senate, and they, they're used to the climate, and we're not used to the climate, so that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously, and you get cooked. Um, so yeah, that I think that is probably what's going to happen. Um, mm. as always, we'll wrap up on an icebreaker. If you haven't experienced an icebreaker yet, you're probably getting bored of hearing the intro to an icebreaker if you have, uh, but essentially, we're going to put out a question on social media. You guys are going to give us your thoughts and then we'll discuss the question at the start of the next episode. Uh, and this week's icebreaker is which player most underachieved in football due to injuries? Let us know and we'll chat about it at the start of next week's episode. Um, Hussein, you just said you've got one, so I'll give you your moment of truth. Who are you thinking of? Um, Diaby, amazing. I think he could have been one of the best centre mids in the Prem if it wasn't for injuries. That's an interesting shout. I would debate that, but we're all out of time. Um, yeah. Saying. Great debut. Liez, Raj, uh, we'll see you next time. We're also going to be dropping bonus content as well, uh, which normally will come out the day after the pod goes out. So make sure you give that a listen. If you're new to the pod, make sure you follow or you subscribe or you like or you drop five stars, whatever it is. Uh, And we'll see you on the next episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.